You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So, listen, um, it's been an interesting year, don't you think? I mean, 2020 is, uh, to use a phrase that's come into the English vocabulary, it's kind of been a dumpster fire. So what's interesting is, is I, Friday, was in Miami, it's not Miami, Miami, Oklahoma, watching my son play some baseball. Brother Craig gives me a call and says, hey, pastor, did you know that the dumpster is on fire outside of the church? And when he said it, I knew it was true, but it really didn't bother me because it's 2020. (laughs) A dumpster fire just fits right in, right? So um, interesting year, interesting times, and yet church I believe that God is at work. I believe that the church is uniquely positioned to be salt and light in our community like never before. I think difficult times help us think through who we are as Christians and can help us become what we're called to be. This is our last sermon in a series on spiritual warfare. And so here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, we, we have some verses here that don't sound all that like spiritual warfare type verses, but I'm here to tell you, the front line of spiritual warfare is the family. Amen, parents? I want you to hear me. The front line of spiritual warfare is the family. The devil is attacking. So I don't think it's at all unusual that the sixth chapter of Ephesians, which is mostly about spiritual warfare, begins with an exhortation uh, between parents and children and the responsibilities uh, between the two. So if you will, please stand as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word. We're going to hear this word from the Lord. We begin. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you will encourage our hearts with this word and that today, God, we will not only be encouraged, but we will be inspired uh, to be better parents, to be better children, to be better uh, Christians and citizens. And Lord, we need uh, you to change our hearts in profound ways. Begin that work even here today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Many times of late, I have heard the Spirit speaking into my ear, saying to my heart this simple sentence, Jeremy, let the scriptures guide you. Now, that seems so simple, and of course, we would all say, well, of course, that's what a pastor needs to do is let the scriptures guide us. But the truth is that many times, I don't know, I'm probably the only one in here that ever has a strong opinion. Am I the only one? I mean, many times what I find myself doing is, is I have a pretty solid biblical worldview, but, but there are moments when I, I stray from that and start really telling people what I think and, and quite frankly, what I want. But we need to be very careful, church, that we are not doing that as believers. We do not want to use the scriptures as a launching pad and then we go wherever we want to say whatever we want and we're not worried about who we hurt. 
I think we need to understand that the Lord has given us some solid advice. Here we have some solid advice for parents, solid advice for those of us who who are children. We need to realize that God has given us all that we need. And I believe one of the reasons why in denominational life, but even on the local church level, there are many times when there's dissension and there's disaster because we add our opinions to what the Lord has said. Now, obviously today as I'm preaching to you, I've got to, I've got to give you my take on some things, but you're going to notice that today this sermon, more than, than most that I do, I'm going to focus on some key vocabulary words and continually points you back to specific words in the text. Because what I want to show you is, is that even though I've, I've got to, you know, give you my interpretation here, I am doing my best because I believe that God's word has all we need here. You don't really need me. You just need to listen to what God's word has said. And just as the spirit has been speaking to my heart, let the spirit speak to your heart. Let the scripture guide you. Because opinions tear the church down. But the oracles of God build her up. This is how we build a strong church. Not with opinions, especially on something like parenting, but on the oracles of God. Let me just say, today, social media, I know lately I've been kind of hard on social media. Let me explain why. It has some really good, virtuous elements to it. It's not all bad. In fact, we're utilizing it right now to get the gospel message out. It's not all bad. But I, I have to tell you, it is really hard sometimes when you, when you open up Facebook and somebody's telling you that how you're parenting your children is all wrong. It just, it just hurts. And, and many times um, the people are well-meaning, they're, they're trying to, to uh, help people out. But here's the question, parents, those of you who are parents in the room, is parenting hard work? It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Other than the, the pastoring Baptist, I'm telling you, raising children... <laughs> Is the, it's very similar in a lot of ways, um, is the hardest thing I've ever done, okay? Now, if it's the hardest thing, one of the hardest things in the world, why in the world would we be hypercritical about how other people do it? But we tend to be. And, and the reason why we tend to be so critical is because we're self-righteous. And self-righteousness causes us to look down on others instead of looking up to God for help humility, and the pathway to holiness. Self-righteousness. Many people in the church are good people. They've been raised in church, but one of the dangers there is we begin to think our righteousness is in self instead of in the Savior. And when we do that, we begin to give opinions instead of leaning heavily upon the word of God. Be careful. I've done it, you've done it. We have to watch out. We do not have an editorial opinion on Paul's account here today. I believe we have a word from the Lord that we need to listen to. Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two basic points. Three-fourths of the text is aimed at children and them being obedient. One-fourth of it is aimed towards parents and, and the, uh, the exhortation to the parents. So let's begin with the first three verses and talk about promises from God promises from God. Now let me set the stage very quickly here, but Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 through 33, the best, the best uh, words ever spoken in terms of advice to husbands and wives. 
I have said before that you can go on Amazon.com this afternoon and see about 100,000, 200,000 different books on how to have a better marriage. And I think if you would just apply these handful of verses from Ephesians chapter five, it would rock your world, change your life and make you a powerful gospel witness. You need these verses because they're better than anything else in the world because they're the words of God. But think about this. As we go into chapter six, it shifts gears. The key words in chapter five are words like reverence, fear, submit, and love. Those are relational words that fit better in the context of the husband-wife relationship. But look at the key imperative in chapter six, verse one. Children, obey. Now, every child loves to hear that. Obey, right? Doesn't that sound ominous? Doesn't that sound ominous? There's some young people right here and they just, they, they all shuddered when I said it because of the authority of my voice. I'm joking, right? You guys, sarcasm a little bit. Is that okay? Can I do that today? It's the third service. I'm tired. You're going to get some sarcasm. That's just the way it is. Let's get used to it, all right? So here's the deal. That word obey is a very interesting term. Paul chose it carefully. In the middle of the word, the root of the word is the word akuite. Now that sounds a lot like Hakuna Matata, but that's not it, okay? So get that song out of your head. It's in mine now. Okay, acuite. And if you listen, that's the word, the English root for acoustics, which right now in this room, our text, they do the best they can, but the acoustics in are terrible, okay? Acuite. Now the word is listen. So here's the key. We as children, and all of us are children of God, the key to obedience is to Listen. That's right. Listen is the core of obedience. Obedience requires a listening ear. Children are commanded in God's word to have open ears for when their parents talk to them. And when children do not obey, when they do not have open ears, the Bible tells us that, that this is symptomatic of all the evil in the world is because of of, of, of evil hearts, of, of, of children not listening. We see this in Romans 1.30 and in 2 Timothy 3 and 2, uh, chapter 3, verse 2. We need to understand that, that this kind of obedience on the, uh, disobedience on the part of children is a problem. Today we're seeing in the culture a, a lack of respect for authority that is so sad and, and not biblical at all, okay? People uh, are, are just um, rebelling against every form of authority, not just the people in Washington, but the people that are in our communities to defend us and to, and to care for us. Of course, there's, there's faults and failures that, every, that we can find in every single category of people in the world. But where's this lack of authority coming from, this lack of respect? Well, I think it's because we've not listened well at home. When we don't respect authority in the home, we are not gonna respect authority in the world. That's where it starts. Our treatment of our parents says much about our view of God. And you would be hard pressed to, to prove to me that your heart can love your heavenly father when you have complete disrespect for your earthly father. Now, I need to say this, not every earthly father is worthy of that respect. Some earthly fathers have failed and, and, and there is an, under, an understandable reason why some people say, well, I can't respect my father because of this or because of that. Listen, I understand that the analogy isn't perfect. The only perfect father is your heavenly father. That's the only one. But in the general sense, we need to understand if we do not have respect for our heavenly father, we, our, our earthly father, it, it's gonna be symptomatic throughout our lives that we're gonna have a lack of respect. Now, when we look at this passage, and I'm gonna to have to breeze through this very quickly, Paul identifies three foundations for obedience, okay? And here they are, nature, the law, and the gospel. 
Now, I have borrowed these, or I don't think I've stolen them. I mean, that's what commentaries are for. But John R. W. Stott, one of my favorite preachers, um, he's been gone for a few years now, great theologian. That's how he broke down this passage, and I think it's brilliant. So let me show you in the text um, these three foundations of obedience. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, point one, for this is right. Look at that word, right, okay? This is natural law. In the ancient world, all the way to the modern world, most everybody agrees that there are just certain things that are wrong. For instance, to murder someone is wrong. To just take someone's life for no reason is wrong. To steal from someone is wrong. To commit adultery is wrong. You don't have to just be in America to know those are wrong. If you were raised in a Chinese family, uh, that's wrong. If you were raised uh, somewhere in, in, in Africa, in South Africa, you know those things are wrong. How is that? Well, it's imprinted on our hearts. This is what, what, what natural law is. We understand that that's just wrong. Paul uses a word here that has at its root uh, a word that, that just means right or righteous or true. And C.S. Lewis in his book, The Abolition of Man, he talks about this. He, call, he uses an Eastern philosophical term. He, he uses the concept of the Tao. But what he means is, is that it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. There's just certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. So Paul says, look, children, obey your parents because it's the natural thing to do. Your parents have wisdom and experience that you don't have. It's only logical, right, that you listen to them, okay? You know, as a father, I'm old and I'm grumpy and I know things. So, well, I shouldn't be grumpy. That's not Christian. But I can't help that I'm old. And, and I do know a few more things than my kids. And of course, my kids look at me just like many of you kids look at your parents and think that they don't know, know anything. And in about seven or eight years, you'll see that actually they do know what they're talking about. I went through that. You'll go through it too. But it's right. Okay. That's what Paul is saying. Now, the second thing I want you to see is that it's the law or God's law in particular. Look at verses two and three. He quotes directly from the Old Testament, from the Decalogue, in fact, the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So the foundation of obedience begins with something that's just innate and natural. You know that there's this right and wrong and a child should know that dad and mom know more uh, than child. But then it gets more specific because the Bible very clearly says that children need to obey their parents. We have chapter and verse. We have a word from the Lord. We know that this is right because the Bible says this is what we are supposed to do. You can't just say, well, you know, natural law, that's arguable. What's right, you know, is relative to me. No, God has said very specifically that we must obey our parents. It's part of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Also quoted again in Deuteronomy 5, 16. It's no question. God's word says that we need to listen to our parents. And it comes with a promise. Longer life. God's word is not just stuffy and confining. It's liberating and life-giving. God's word is saying here, obey your parents. Obey the Ten Commandments. And if you do, it makes your life better. I think so many times when we think about rules, we think, oh man, don't chain me down. Don't tell me what I'm going to do. Don't, don't limit my freedom. Listen, if my if my dad tells me something that helps me stay safe, he's not limiting my freedom. He's giving me the chance at a better life. That's what the law does for us, God's law. And the final thing is the gospel. Take a look here, there in verse one. Again, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. That is a gospel statement. God's word is telling us that, that ultimately we obey 
our parents because Jesus obeyed the heavenly father unto death on a cross and we must be obedient. It's a picture of the gospel. We as children need to be in the Lord. We need to be obedient as the Lord was and we need to remember that everything we do is for the sake of the gospel and the sake of our Lord. Living long, that's that little phrase in the Greek literally says long-timed. If you wanna be long-timed, literally, in this world, you need to obey your parents. And if you don't, you could be short-timed. That's what it's saying. Now, verse four, let's talk about the parental element here. Preparation, not provocation. If you think I've been hard on the kids, parents, watch out. Paul's strongest words are reserved for parents because I think they're in a position of greater um, accountability. Um, you have been given a, a gift as a parent. And again, we're, we're, I know it's not Father's Day yet, but I thought that this sermon was a great preparation for Father's Day. Many times on Father's Day, we tell dads how bad they are. Uh, on Mother's Day, we tell moms how great they are. I don't know why we do that. It's just what we do. So I thought I would do neither. I'm just gonna preach the gospel next week. But this week, I thought I'd give you guys some things to think about to prepare your hearts for uh, Father's Day coming up a week from today. Verse four here is powerful. It has great gospel guidance for parents. If we would listen to this word from the Lord, it would turn not only our churches upside down, but our society upside down. If parents could start living gospel lives in their homes, that would then start to overflow the home and into the community. This is what Paul is after. You think that I'm sitting here talking about how to be a better parent and that this is just a psychological, practical kind of sermon. No, listen to me. If you are being a great great mom. If you are being a great dad, you are being a great witness for Jesus. Let me tell you, this world is dark and it needs the light of Christian moms and dads. We need light. There's enough darkness. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a pastor in London about 60, 70 years ago during the 1940s and 1950s. And, and he wrote this on this verse. He said, if parents but gave as much thought to rearing of children as they do to the rearing of animals and flowers, the situation here in England would be different. Let me modernize that statement. If parents spend as much time with their kids in play and in recreation as they do on their phones, the situation in America today would be different. Look at verse four. It says right there in the middle of the verse, but bring them up, but bring them up. That is a challenge to intentional action, to investment into the child. How much time do we truly devote to our children? You see, too many people in the world today see children as an impediment to personal happiness. They see children coming on, they're like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to travel like I once did. I'm not gonna be able to do what I wanna do. And then school age kids, they come along and then we gladly ship them off to school. We went vacations away from our children. We, we put a digital device in their hands if they're getting a little bit too antsy. We let them watch Netflix and Disney Plus and that's what, what we're using to, to raise them. And then we wonder why. When they grow up, they don't want anything to do with the church. I'm here to tell you, you think this isn't a problem? I've had parents put a finger in my face and say, my kids aren't in church anymore and the church let them down. And they put that on my shoulders and on the staff. That somehow if we would have had a better program, if we would have done something a little different, their kids would have stayed in church. Listen, if you're in here today and you're a kid, you will not stay in church unless you love Jesus. 
And I can't make you love Jesus. I can lead you to Jesus. I can show you what he had to say. I can teach you, but you have to love Jesus. Only people who love Jesus stay with Jesus. Those who want to do their own thing are going to do their own thing. Those who love Jesus stay with Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, one of the reasons why, though, our children aren't in love with Jesus is because parents aren't showing that they are in love with Jesus. Now, listen to me. I am guilty here, too. There are times I come home tired. There are times I come home and and the kids are watching something on their phone and I just let it go, right? So, listen, I am the biggest hypocrite in the world. You want to point your finger at me? That's fine. But listen, your children need to know you love Jesus. And the way they're going to know that is you spending time with them. We need to be A-plus parents instead of Disney plus parents. Many years ago, when I was in school, I realized that if I wanted to, that God just, he gave me just enough gifts. If I wanted to, I could be an A student. Now I wasn't the smartest guy in, in any of the classes I was in, I'm not saying that, but I made a determination pretty early that I was gonna work harder than anybody else because I didn't like to lose because I'm competitive and I didn't, I didn't want to make B's. So I decided I was going to be an A-plus student. And that's what I did. Now, I think when it comes to parenting, if we truly say that our kids matter, then why aren't we investing more time in our children? If we're not investing time in our precious children, what are we communicating in terms of their worth? We don't spend time that we ought to spend with our kids. And then we get mad when our kids act poorly. That's what parents do. We seem to be, our kids are just fine until they misbehave in public. Then we're ashamed of of, of how they behaved and then that shame turns into anger. You know, kids are gonna act like kids. But one of the reasons why kids are so inconsistent in their behavior is because your correction is inconsistent. Let me explain what I mean. How many times have we lost our cool in a situation but really the truth is it wasn't so much what the kids were going through, it's what we were going through. And we didn't put our anger in check, parents. And so we lashed out. And then our little one goes off to school and lashes out. And we're like, where do you get that? I'll tell you where he got it. You couldn't control yourself. So what makes you think your child is going to be able to control him or herself? See? Ah, It's a trickle-down effect. It really happens this way. You know, many people only get upset when the bad behavior of their children look, makes them look bad or leads them to uh, losing some quiet time with, with their wives or with their spouse or worse yet, even money. I've watched people who, who seem to be really, you know, uh, you know, let their kids kind of do whatever they want to, you know, I guess the word's feral. Their kids are feral. Look it up. Um, and, you know, laissez-faire, lackadaisical, whatever word you want to use there, uh, free-range parenting. There's all kinds of terms here. Um, and they're really cool until something gets broke and then they're furious. Well, that ain't right. That ain't right. Your kids saw the anger. That's not what, what Paul is saying here. Friends, we have to be consistent. When a parent fails to be consistent, they will easily fall prey to being angry. Look at what Paul says. We cannot provoke our children to anger In fact, in the uh, equivalent passage in Colossians, there's a parallel passage in Colossians 3. In verse 4, Paul says, "Don't, don't be a cause of discouragement to your children. If you're angry with your kids, you will discourage them. Again, look at the phrase, bring them up. The word in Greek here means to nourish, to provide for with tender care. Look, I think 
for years, I've heard verse four, Ephesians 6, 4 preached like discipline. You got to spank your kids, you know, and I'm telling you, sometimes you look around, you think it might help, but listen, that's not what he's saying here. All right. I'm just joking around. Okay. Don't take me too serious. Like I said, third sermon, anything goes. So listen to me. Many times I've heard this passage as one of those passages that you've got to be a disciplinarian. That is not, in fact, it's just the opposite in many ways, because in Paul's day, there were plenty of disciplinarian fathers. Fathers were mean in the Roman world. They were very mean. So Paul is saying revolutionary things about loving and nurturing his kids. The picture is actually, the word picture is if you can imagine you have a garden and you plant a seed and and you're being very careful with it so that it sprouts and grows. That's the word picture here. Being very, very careful, nurturing. That's what, what God's word is saying. Look at that word discipline. It doesn't mean spank your kids. What it means is, uh, it's a word from the Greek gymnasium. It means to train hard. In other words, it just means give your children structure. Give them rails, regular routines. This is healthy and ultimately instruction. We give encouraging words from God's word. Listen, we must tell children what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. There are many times where I have to say things to my kids that I know that they're not going to want to hear, but I know it's what's best for them. And children, I want you just to take that. Sometimes parents are wrong, but many times the hard things that your parents are saying to you are the best things you'll ever hear from them. When they're telling you you're the best, I'd be suspicious of that. Because mom and dad, they really like you and they think you're the best. And pretty soon in life, you're going to find out, well, you're not. Crickets there, right? Because most of you have always been told that you're the best and you win first prize. But wait till you get out in the real world in a real job and your boss tells you otherwise. Everybody doesn't get a participation trophy. I'm sorry, millennials. I am sorry. But it's okay. It's okay that we've used some positive reinforcement for you. In fact, I said the Romans and the Greeks, they were too hard. I think we as parents today have been too soft. I think there's this middle ground here and I'm joking around with the millennials, you guys know that. But still, we need to understand that, that some of the best things our parents say to us may sound like hard words. But parents, listen to me. Verse four is not telling you to be more difficult or more hard. I think what it's saying is just this. Make sure you control yourself as a parent before you try to control anyone else. A heart that's not under control by the Holy Spirit will do damage. Are you listening to me? If your heart isn't under the control, under the umbrella of the Holy Spirit, you will hurt people. And I don't mean that just from a parent to a child, but as a boss to a worker, to a coworker, if you can't control yourself, you will do damage in this world. So let me just finish with these five thoughts very quickly. Think of this as application to what we've said. The worship life and instruction of children is important. This passage addresses children on the same terms as their parents. Take a look there at verse six, verse one, uh, chapter six, verse one, because it says, children obey your parents. This was a letter that Paul would have wanted read in the context of worship. It assumes that children are present. Now, here's what I think. I think it's good that we have children's ministries. I'm not saying that you need to bring your kids into this service and if you don't, that's wrong or bad. Not at all. I'm not judging anything there. I'm glad we have what we have. But here's what the the main idea here is. Ridgecrest Baptist Church must support a robust ministry 
to children. We cannot let this go. We do not, we're not responsible for raising your children, but we want to give you every tool to make, make it possible for you to bring up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. If you want to know what to give to, if you want to know what to spend your time doing, pour into young families and into young children. I think that's what Paul would tell us here. Secondly, just as the husband and wife relationship has gospel implications, so does the parent-child relationship. And so here's what I want you to do, parent. Ask God to, to make your Christian testimony more clearly pronounced in the relationship with your child. It goes both ways, but, but as families, let's focus. We've all, we often talk about the marriage being a gospel witness. The relationship between fathers and mothers and their children is also a gospel opportunity. Third, parents, we need to determine to be A-plus parents. Even if this means a little less mommy and daddy time, We need to stop acting like our kids are more of a nuisance than a blessing. I've heard it said many times where parents, when it's time to go back to school in the fall, they'll be like, oh, I can't wait till till the little one goes off to school. They're wearing me out. And every every parent that hears that goes, chuckles. Yeah, yeah, we know. What if your children hear you say that? How do they take that? Do I need to tell you what happens in a culture where children are viewed as nuisances? Do you know where that ends up? Do you follow me? Do you see the logical progression? If a child is a nuisance, what what do we do? You'll figure it out. Fourthly, control yourself before you try to control others. We have to learn this lesson. Sometimes we may be right, but because of our emotions, we handled it all wrong. You may be right when you're telling your kid they've done something wrong, but if you've not controlled your anger, you will provoke your children to wrath. And fifth, and this is the most important thing. Parents, are you listening? I want every one of you, every person in this room, listen, this is the most important two words you're gonna hear all day. Chill out. You heard me. Chill out. Parenting is hard. Life is difficult. We're gonna make mistakes. Quit beating yourself up. If you love Jesus, you're you're still going to make mistakes, but chill out, smile, learn to love, learn to enjoy the moments you have with your kids, or you're going to be like me and wake up and look and see that they're moving off to college. That's what happens in the blink of an eye. Chill out. Love Jesus. Show your kids that you love Jesus. Love Jesus together. Amen? Ridgecrest, we can be a light. We can. And we don't have to memorize all the Bible and we don't have to have all the best ministry programs. You know what we need? We need to be people who just live out the gospel in our basic relationships. And that will lead to many souls coming to know Jesus. You know how people come to know Jesus? The Holy Spirit grabs hold of them. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit grabs hold of people because people like us are just living good Christian lives, speaking Christian truth sharing what we know propositionally, the the truth of the gospel and personally living out the gospel. That's how people get saved. How many people in your neighborhood need Jesus? How many times in our neighborhoods do people hear us yelling at our children or being upset, angry? These things matter. I have failed, you have failed, but we can change when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us. I hope these words have stirred you a little, woke you up a little, moved you, moved the needle a little bit towards being a little better 
in your gospel witness. Jesus saves, friends, and and he wants to speak mightily through us. I believe he will. I want to just say a word before I I finish. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to pray and then pray again. I want to just focus on this as we wrap up. We are in, in, in search of or searching for a next generation, next gen pastor. We had one. COVID-19 happened in some other circumstances and things fell through. We've had uh, a beat on, on a uh, modern worship pastor, which would lead this uh, service, and those things fell through. Um, the world has just shook a lot of things up. We are still looking. So we have asked the church to be in 14 days of concerted prayer to help us uh, seek God's will to fill these two positions, the next-gen team leader and our modern worship leader. Today, our scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. All this will be on social media later today. See, there's another positive use for social media. And Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Our prayer focus is that we want to pray for Ridgecrest to hope in God and to seek him wholeheartedly with the realization that he is in control of our future. That's our prayer today. And we'll have a different, different one the next 13 days after. For 14 days, will you covenant to pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ that God will fill these positions with those that he has chosen? Will you do that? Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.